Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. Hi, and welcome back to Field Notes. I'm Dave Mason. And yes, I know it's been quite a while since we posted a new episode of Field Notes, but I hope that you're back with us and that you enjoy this new season of Field Notes and the new format that we're introducing today. This is our new format. Instead of just me sitting in front of the microphone and teaching you the Word of God, we're actually going to go into the Bible studies that we hold here at the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, each and every week. You're actually going to hear me teach the Word of God to the troops, and then afterwards you'll hear our Navy corpsmen and our Marines ask questions and my answers back, and it'll give you a better idea of what goes on on a regular basis here at the center. We do appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate your prayers and your support. And if you ever have any questions about us, feel free to drop us a line. Uh, send us an email. Follow us on Facebook. as You can send us a message on Facebook if you'd like. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We would love to hear from you and love to be able to partner with you in reaching even more of our military with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So without further ado, sit back and relax. And my prayer is that you not only enjoy, but learn something from this week's Bible study. Matthew chapter 13, verse 45, it says, Jesus says again, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all he had and bought it. Verse 47, again, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full... They drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. <clears throat> the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said unto them, have you understood all these things? There's a good teacher, right? At the end of all this, he's been speaking. Did you understand all this? They said unto him, Yes, Lord. Anybody believe that? No. Then said he unto them, Therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto that man that is a householder, which brings forth out of his treasure things new and old. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you for this opportunity again to gather around your word. Thank you for the food and for just how you've been blessing us now. Guide and direct in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, the pearl, let's get back to that. We looked last week at the hidden treasure. And we talked about how that hidden treasure, the man finding that treasure in the field, goes and sells everything he has and so he can go and buy that treasure. And the treasure was the Jews. And the man was Jesus. And he gave everything he had, right? He gave his life. He, he emptied himself of his godhood for for 30 some odd years and came to this earth and lived among us and then died on the cross willingly giving up his own life um, he paid everything so that he could get that treasure which was the jews now the pearl is the church 
The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, a lot of people teach this one and say this is all about us um, finding Jesus and giving up everything in order to follow Jesus. But the problem is that kind of betrays the whole logic of this entire passage. It betrays the context. Because what Jesus is teaching here is that the Jews, the church, the Gentile nations, these are all groups of people that he desperately wants to come into his kingdom. This is the kingdom of heaven, right? He, these are people he wants to come to him. And so he gives up everything to get the treasure hidden in the field. He gives up everything to get the pearl of great price. He's the one who casts out the dragnet to catch all the fish, right? So it's the pearl's not... Uh, <clears throat> Jesus and we're selling everything to get Jesus, that would be a work salvation. That would be us doing something to gain Christ, right? But this is Christ doing everything on our behalf. Giving up his, again, his godhood. You know, selling everything. He found this pearl of great price. What's it? Why, why did he use a pearl? <clears throat> why did he talk about a pearl when it came to the church? Because pearls are unique among all precious stones because they are unity. A pearl is one thing. A pearl is not made up of a bunch of different things. A pearl can't be cut. If you try to cut a pearl, you smash it. You can take a diamond and you can chip off pieces of it and reveal the layers of that thing so that you can, you can create you know, a shape, you can even have a heart-shaped diamond, whatever. But a pearl cannot be chipped because a pearl is one. It's unified. And this is Christ's desire for the church, that it be one. Also, <clears throat> a pearl, unlike any other precious thing out there, was created out of pain. You know how pearls are made, right? That little creature gets that piece of sand stuck right on that muscle and starts secreting uh, uh, juices and, and things around that to salve the pain of that piece of, of uh, sand stuck right there on the muscle, what that creature is, and it becomes a pearl. That, that's how pearls are made. They're made out of pain. The church is created out of pain. The pain of Christ on the cross, the pain of persecution, the pain of our personal lives. Since you came to Jesus, you haven't had an ounce of pain, right? <clears throat> no. It's still painful. It's still painful being, a, being a, a child of God. There's a lot of pain in it. But in that pain, God applies the balm of Gilead. And he, he shapes us and he molds us and he makes us into something better than we were. He creates something out of our pain. And that's why uh, we are the pearl of great price. Jesus sold everything so that he could come and buy this pearl. Um, and then <clears throat> there's the net, the dragnet, verse 47. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was cast in the sea and gathered of every kind. You throw a net into the water, you don't know what you're going to get. You, have, you can have an idea if the herring are running today, you're pretty sure you're going to get some herring, but there might be a shad or two stuck in there. There could be a carp, unfortunately. There, 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 there could be a catfish. There could be all sorts of things in there. You might get lucky and pull a nice uh, rockfish out of there. But if you're dipping for herring, you know you're pretty much going to get herring. But you know that there's a chance you're going to get things you can't keep. 
things that are not in season, things that are not edible, like a carp, right? Uh, you, you know this. You know this is true, and this is what Jesus is teaching us. When it comes to reaching the world with the gospel, the net is thrown. Whosoever will may come. Correct. Everybody is is savable. Everybody can obtain salvation if they will only turn to Jesus. Everybody can be saved. And the net is thrown. The problem is that people mistake the church for salvation. And a lot of people swim into the net and get pulled into the boat and think, oh, I'm safe because my membership's at First Baptist. I'm safe because I, you know, I'm, I, you know I, I'm, I'm here with all these other people. I'm in the boat now. He says, but when you get pulled into the boat, the workers gather the good and cast off the bad. And Jesus says, this is exactly what's going to be like at the end of all things. There, there's going to be an age where the end of this age where the end's going to come. And I'm going to send my angels to sever the wicked from the just. And this is the this is the close of the of the tribulation, Matt, uh, Matthew twenty four, Revelation nineteen, um, you know, and this is where he, he says we're gonna we're gonna separate the sheep from the goats. There are gonna be people in the in the kingdom people who think they're in the kingdom of heaven, who are actually not in the kingdom of heaven. Was it Luke chapter fourteen? Many on that day will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not heal people? Did we not do great mighty things? And he'll say, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. See, you can be a Christian minister doing great things and feeding people and everything, but if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're working iniquity. You're not doing the right thing because. It's your relationship with Christ that matters, not your works. Your works grow out of your relationship, not the other way around. Your works matter. Let me, let me say that. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're not doing anything with it, well, then that's, there's a problem there, right? But if you're, if, if you're doing something for Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with him, you're doing all that for nothing. You're not accomplishing a thing. You have to have the relationship. So when the, when, the, when the angels start pulling the net in and they start looking, they start grabbing the fish, they start going, okay, yep, that's a good one. That's a bad one. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a bad one. This is at the end of the age. <clears throat> this is not us now. This is at the end of the age. This is Matthew 24. This is Revelation 6, 7, 8, 9, all the way to chapter 19. This is, this is coming back at the very end. And the people who um, are left on the earth at the very end, the nations, the Gentile nations and the Jews, are separated out. And the Gentiles who never bowed their knee to the Antichrist, who never took the mark of the beast, who called on Christ out of a pure heart and stayed remained true to him, most of them are not going to be on the earth on that day because they'll have lost their heads. But there will be a few. And he's going to get those gathered in. And then the Jews who come to believe that Christ is the Messiah, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, they'll be, they'll be brought in. But the rest are going to be cast, where does he say here? Into the furnace of fire, verse 50. And there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's not popular to talk about hell anymore. In fact, I challenge you to find a church where you've heard a good sermon on hell lately. 
I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm serious. I mean, you ever heard a preacher get in the pulpit and say, hey, we're going to talk about hell this morning. We're going to describe it, define it, tell you who goes there, how long it lasts. You've never heard that, have you? Preachers run away from it. Back in Missouri, uh, they stream bubble camp. It's mm-hmm. like they, they have team, uh, like team week or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they would have like missionaries or other pastors come out. And they would, some of them would talk about it. Good. It's not often though. You just don't hear a lot. Of, you don't hear a lot of preaching on hell. You hear almost no preaching on the blood of Christ because that's icky. We don't want to talk about blood, right? You know, and 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 you don't you don't hear a whole lot of talk about the suffering of Christ on the cross. It's it's just he died. Now he's alive, and that's it. We just you know we skip over so much that's important because we don't want to deal with the hard things. And the hard thing is is that Jesus Christ believes in hell. Did you know that? Doesn't matter whether you believe in hell or not. Jesus Christ believes in hell because he created it. <laughs> he created a place for the devil and his angels. And there needed to be some place for the unrepentant soul to go, so that's where they go. And it's a place of, of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Other places he describes it as a place where the flame never dies, and the worm never dies, and the darkness never leaves. You say, how can you have flames in darkness? Well, there is a flame that is so hot that it's actually black. Look it up. There is a black flame. One of the hottest flames you can get is actually black. It emits no light. I think that's the kind of flame we're going to see in hell. There's this darkness. It's flames. It's worms eating at your flesh. It's eternal torment. It actually ex- it actually exists. And Jesus says, at the end, everybody that's not a a fish that we're trying to catch is going there. And the only fish we're trying to catch are the ones that have accepted me as their Lord and Savior. Period. So then he goes, he finishes the parables, right? And then he goes, um, therefore, verse 52, after he asked them if they understood, and they said, yeah, you know he knows that they don't that they don't understand, right? So he goes on and, and, and it, uh, explains a couple of things more he says therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto that unto a man that is a householder who brings forth out of his treasure things new and old this is jesus telling us okay if you if you're if you've heard this now you have a responsibility because scribes were people that they they began as a group under Ezra when when the captivity ended and the Jews came back into Jerusalem, Ezra, <clears throat> Nehemiah came to build the wall, and Ezra came to rebuild the temple. And Ezra uh, created this group kind of, of, of scribes, and their purpose was to preserve the law, study it, apply its truths to daily life, show people how to, to apply it. They were kind of early forms of Bible of, of uh, theologians. Their job was to make copies of the law, study it thoroughly, and then show people how to apply its truths to their daily life. But over the years, this noble cause degenerated into just routine task. They were all they were doing was copying the word of God and then preserving their man-made traditions. You know, and Jesus is trying to remind them that scribes are supposed to be more than that. And we're all supposed to be scribes, you know. 
The, the scribes of Jesus' day were so wrapped up in the past that they ignored the present. You know, they, 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 uh, they, they start, instead of living out God's word and sharing it with others, they, they merchandised God's word. You know, and they even merchandised dead doctrines. You know, they embalmed traditions that, that couldn't help the people. And so, you know, we are to be scribes. That's what Jesus is saying here. Every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven. You are, suppo- you are supposed to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. You're here tonight. You, you, you've given a, a statement of faith, a testimony that you're a child of God. If that's not the case tonight, you need to get that settled. You need to get that settled now. But if you are a child of God, then you are called to be a scribe. You are called to be a scribe. You are called to be someone who observes the law of God, preserves the law of God, studies the law of God, and tells other people how to apply the law of God to their life. That's your job. You know, and I mean, you, you, there are people who say, I, I'm just not interested in learning all that much. You know, I went to school. I'm not going back to school again. Well, then you can't be a Christian. Christianity is not for dummies. Christianity is not for, for a mouth breather. <laughs> Christianity is a faith, not a religion, but a faith that calls its followers to get deep into the Word. It calls us to study. You know, I was talking to Wesley earlier about some of the stuff we're going to talk about come Christmas. I'm I'm actually going to present my sort of little theological dissertation that I've written over the years about why I believe Christmas actually is December 25th. And and I've, I I think I've got the proof, and I'm going to show it to you. But I was telling him all these sorts of things, just kind of railing stuff. He goes, man, you studied this out, haven't you? Like, yeah, it's, it's what I do, you know? <laughs> I study this stuff out, and you should too, you know? That's why I don't mind when you guys come over and steal a book from me. Steal a book from me. Well, I've got that shelf of books over there that you're allowed to steal from so just go steal from that first but if you can't find something there come and see me and you can come to my office and I, i'll let you steal a book depends on the book but but yeah yeah you're not stealing my original set of spurgeon's 1870 sermons that's not happening but <laughs> or my 1829 adam clark you're not getting that one um i've got some old books i got my oldest book is from 1789 um but Look, you're supposed to be looking into the Word of God. Patty just ordered a Bible study today. She was telling me about it. She was getting all excited about it because it's a Bible study and an online study. It happens at the same time. starts the first year, right? So a certain day of the week she's going to sit and watch this live cast and then do the study along with it. And, you know, that's what we're called to do, you know? That's why you're here. Mason, how many Bible studies are you in every week counting church services? You're, you're in Sunday school. Yeah. You're in Sunday morning. You go back for Sunday night? No, not Sunday night. Okay. Monday you're in Navigators? No, Is, uh, but Wednesday night youth group. Well, okay, Tuesday night here, Wednesday night youth group, Friday night here. That's five times a week he's in a Bible study. I'm not just put I'm not just saying Mason's the greatest guy in the world. He's got the greatest name, but he's not the greatest guy in the world. Um and he he's not even the at one point Austin who was here before? Some of you might remember Austin. He was in six Bible studies a week. He was in six days a week of Bible studies. And learning Greek. 
Yeah, yeah, he was doing. He was he was learning. He was having lunch with a uh, chaplain over at New River on Thursdays, learning Greek. You know, so I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. You know, we're, and and the thing is, is if you have if you gain this love of learning the Word of God, you're going to grow. You're going to know things. You can't just sit back and go, well, I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know what to say. Well, you got sixty six books, and each and every one of them can be used to tell somebody about Jesus. Right? And all you got to do is open it and start reading it. It's there for you. So you're supposed to be a scribe. And if you're, if you're a good scribe, Jesus says, you're like a householder who brings forth out of his treasure things new and old. There's our big problem today. We're either new or old. Neither. Not both. We're either in a church where everything's new, and it's all new, and we never sing the old songs, and we never read the old scriptures. We never go to the Old Testament, unless we're telling a story. Or we're in a church where everything's old, and we've never heard a new song. And we would not. We wouldn't know how to deal with a kid with a tattoo or an earring. We don't. You know. We we're just. You know. We're one or the other. And Jesus here says, if you're going to be a good scribe, you're going to bring out of your house things new and old together. There's nothing wrong with the new. But let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with the old past either. In fact, there's some good stuff in there for you. A.W. Tozer used to say that every Christian should own two books, a Bible and a hymnal. Because I'm telling you something. If, you, if you're in a church where they're singing the hymns, you're getting preached at more than once. You know what I mean, right? Those hymns, those hymns have doctrine in them. Especially the old Fanny Crosby hymns. Right? I mean, and the old Stamps Baxter stuff from the 20s and 30s, you can't beat that stuff. I'm telling you, there's more doctrine than, than, than a, everything on the, on the top of the charts today in the Christian contemporary world. If you look at a Baptist hymn and all that. Yeah. I'm using my Shiloh Baptist idea in 40 minutes from here. I spent one Sunday, I got there early, and I went through to look at the birth dates of these composers. Mm-hmm. 90% of them were in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And you know what the 19th century was? The age of revivalism. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Second Great Awakening. And yeah. Yeah. that's where most of the hymns we sing today were in Britain during the Second Great Awakening, yeah. 1850 to mm-hmm. 1890. You know, and so, look, here's what I'm saying. At the same time, but let me let me say this about the new. There's nothing wrong with the new. Every hymn that's in the hymn book was new at one point. There were people who did not like Amazing Grace. There were people who could not stand Ira Sankey, D.L. Moody's song leader in the 1870s, because he introduced choruses at the end of each stanza. And we're repeating vain babblings like heathens? We can't repeat the same seven words at the end of every stanza? That's 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 devilish. And then you get to 1930, and Stamps Baxter comes out with Since Jesus Came Into My Heart. We can't have that. There's African backbeats in that. You can't introduce Negro music into the church. We've had this argument all of our lives. There's nothing wrong with the new, but the new better be doctrinally sound. But if you're a good scribe, you're going to find things in this word that are new to you. And you're going to hold tight to the old stuff that's good for you, too. There's a balance to life. You don't have to be all one or all the other. You can have balance. 
Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.